We're in the very end of our series, Asking for a Friend. It's been really fun. We've done four weeks, and really the heart of this series, as Ryan was going on sabbatical, was to really try to put some tools in the hands of you, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, right, to be able to help people know Jesus better, which is our mission. And so the first week, we looked at a really challenging question, which is, why do bad things happen to good people? And if you didn't get a chance to be here that weekend, I encourage you to go on Facebook and watch it. Um, we're really hearing a lot of good things. And looked at John 11 and this idea that Jesus wept, even in that story of Lazarus, where he knew what would happen and how he's present in our suffering. And that even though we don't always know those answers, that we know someone who does, right? And we can trust him. And then after that, Ryan Zafroff crushed it, looking at really this question of, isn't the Bible full of contradictions? A very relatable question for this hour. And he really had a twist ending, which I loved. He said, the biggest contradiction we have to face is not within the Bible, but between the Bible and our own life. I think that's so good and so true, and so go check that out if you haven't seen it. Last week, Pastor Keith brought a message, really difficult as well, this question of what do we do whenever our prayers seems like God isn't answering them? And he really led with vulnerability and transparency about he and his wife in a season where they felt that way and really gave some good biblical truth to how we can answer that. And this morning, we're going to look at the question, is Jesus the only way to heaven? And about six months ago, when we started this series, it seemed like a good idea. Dr. Rance, it felt like something that, hey, I'm reading books that you've assigned to me about this topic. I'm writing papers on pluralism and exclusivity. And this is a big question in the field of missiology, and it seemed like this would be good. And then fast forward to a few weeks ago, as I'm really trying to prepare for this and prayerfully listening to a lot of things and rereading those papers and assignments, and, and I came to the place where I just was thinking, what does this have to do with the homeschool mom, you know? What does this mean for the entrepreneur and for the teacher, for the parents and kids that are going to be here this weekend? Because I think I can answer, if there were enough time, some of the questions related to the philosophy and theology, right, and a lot of the logical steps that we might take in answering this question, although that has a ton of implications, really my heart would be that we could connect it to our everyday lives and how does this make a difference? And so as I was praying and preparing, I really felt like I should call a friend, a fellow missiologist named Paul who works with us nationally in Chi Alpha. And, and we just had a conversation on the phone. I was like, Paul, I, I understand somewhat of how we might address this, uh, you know, from a, from a philosophical, logical, biblical standpoint, but where does this meet the rubber meet the road in our everyday lives? So Paul and I had a conversation on the phone for about 36 minutes at the end. As we went to pray, I just said, man, I'd much rather have a conversation with you than try to get up and just monologue about this. And so that kind of stirred into an idea that we brought back the teaching team two weeks ago. And uh, so this morning, I'm actually going to invite my friend Paul in the series, Asking for a Friend. I'm bringing up my real-life friend. Would you give it up for Paul York as he comes? Um, I'm so happy that you're here, man. We're going to, before we jump in, I want to pray, but I'm so grateful to have Paul. He, he really is a leading expert in this field um, and just one of the most incredible thinkers when it comes to cross-cultural missions training in Chi Alpha. Nationally, he serves as our cross-cultural missions trainer, a dear friend that I love to converse with about missiological issues a lot. And I just thought, how much more intriguing, compelling to be able to have a conversation about this issue and how it really connects to our everyday life. So thanks for being here, man. Well, really fun to be here. Um, I didn't push the right button. That's okay. He's from Africa, so <laughs> I'm not sure why I said that. It's pretty insensitive. Um, so you, you, I heard that you... You're African. You that? I, I blame the new sound guy, Justin. He's super cool, though. Uh, it, it is on. It's definitely on. Let's. Uh... It's no problem. We Africans, we speak loud. I love it. I love it. So you you tell me you're African, but you don't look African. Explain that to me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what what gave it away? What blew my cover? 
<laughs> you, look, you look like you're from Springfield. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I kind of am the whitest Nigerian uh, you ever saw, but I grew That's up true. as a missionary kid, and I've met a couple, see a couple of missionary kids out there, so they're the most awesome people uh, ever. Uh, I'm a survived one, so that's also good. But uh, <laughs> Nigeria, what, one country with 500 languages. So this wasn't like uh, 500 people. It was 500 languages that couldn't understand each other in one, in one country. That was wild. And, so, and they all thought that I was white, and needed, that fact needed to be pointed out through the day. Yeah. And so they would yell, white man, white man. That doesn't happen to you here. That's how, um, I, you know, I, I rarely on Glenstone do I get white man yeah. as I'm driving by. It doesn't That's happen true. too much. That's true. Well, let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for this white man that's African on the inside. And just the, the privilege we have, Lord, that you're not afraid of our questions, God. We really do welcome, Lord, just some great thinking. And more than that, Lord, that you'd open up our hearts. Because at the end of all of the debate, there's an issue that we have to reconcile in our own life of whether our goodness is enough. And we know that it's not. We know that there is one way. John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. None comes to the Father but through me. God, we pray you'd help us to reconcile this truth with uh, questions that we may have. And that even though we can't answer all the questions today, we pray that you would give us a grid, a framework for how we could approach those around us. Lord, and that you would take this message and motivate us to the ends of the earth, that we would make disciples of every nation. We need your help in these things. Paul, would you just pray for us that we'd receive from the text and, and from our conversation today? God, help us to receive from you. We pray today, Lord, not because uh, we're in church, not to because it's religious or sounds good, but we just pray to you because you actually hear prayer and you do stuff. You do things that we cannot do and you give insight that we don't get unless you give it. And Lord, I am asking for that because what we're dealing today is not something we can finesse with what we know already. We have to have your revelation, so help us with that. And touch our hearts and lives and remind us, Lord, that you care about our mind, but you care about our heart and our feelings, and that you, you can go with us in any category, wherever we're at today, you're there to meet us in our emotions, in our thoughts, whatever it is. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Hey, so we're in our very last week of asking for a friend and the question at hand is Jesus the only way to heaven? I want to start with this kind of common misconception or thought that comes along with that. How which about is, this misconception that yeah. heaven is up there? Yeah, it is, so right? Just think about that. If you're, is the world round? I think so. I'm not a flat earther. So all around the world, people say it's up there. So anyway. Yeah. Does it's, that mean the entire universe is heaven? Except anyway. I, emoji mind blown. That's not the main point today. but That's good. Yeah. Um, is hell down there? It's debatable. Well, then when people say, let us look to the Lord in prayer, why is it to Oklahoma? I don't yeah. understand that. that just <laughs> it, it is confusing, isn't it? Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, if Jesus is the only way to heaven, isn't that view really intolerant? I mean, we have all these worldviews out there, right? There's some religions that are older than Christianity. So what do you say to that question? Well, first off, it's an important question. People say it's intolerant. What, what people tend to be thinking is some phrase of this, that everyone has a way of life. Everyone, you know, wakes up in the morning and reaches for something, you know, and one culture, you know, it's fried beetles and one it's Wheaties or whatever, but we all, you know, it, everyone dresses in something, everyone has a way of living, a way of getting along with one another, and that you Christians, therefore, are now saying that the way you live is better than all the ways that all the other people live, and we were, <laughs> we're confusing, we're like shuffling papers on your desk and confusing uh, a lifestyle with a faith, with a walk with God. 
And so people say that's intolerant. If, if it's all just that we're trying the best we can with what we got, then it's intolerant to say there's only one way because people don't have what we've got. So there must be some other answer besides we're just doing the best with what we've got. Yeah, and I think w- for me, when I think about this question of isn't Christianity as an exclusive way to heaven through Jesus intolerant, if you think about it in comparison to other world religions, our, our background and ministry has been focused in India. I mean, in, in Hinduism, often you're born into this caste where you do not have any control over the outcome. You have no access to be able to even change your status. And, and they really believe that it's through, like, just multiple births that you could even get to a place where you could ever... You're stuck in this cycle. That sounds like something that's pretty intolerant. And Americans join that faith so they can have more lives, <laughs> they think. Mm. But the ones who are in it are trying to get out of it and stop having sure. more lives. And we don't have time to look at everything, but I mean, even if you look at the five pillars of Islam and how you find it's all about doing, 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 even then you're not guaranteed. Whereas Christianity, Jesus opens up the playing field to everyone, right? He says, whosoever will come, yeah, and believe. So it's inclusive. I believe so, yeah. But For those exclusive. who put their faith. Yeah, it's, yeah. Is it inclusively exclusive or exclusively inclusive? Or where? I looked at Dr. Where? Rance for this question. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, you know, think about it. That's too good about, about religion. You know, God's saying whoever would. And it, how could there be just one? That intolerance. Mm-hmm. So, so I wanted just to help a little bit with that because it's so strong and people are all around. If you talk to someone and say, you, you need to give your heart to Jesus, you know, they may look at you right back and say, how can you have that intolerant point of view? And, but I want you to think about things that we know that you have to have just one, you know. Uh, <laughs> how about marriage? Okay. You know, I want to be married. Okay. To who? All four of those people, you know. And, and now there's some cultures where this illustration won't work. But, <laughs> but here, <laughs> Let's kind of have the grasp. <laughs> sure. You probably can't marry four people at once. You know, if you want to experience a good marriage, there's just one. So it's exclusive. It's exclusive. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 You can go to the doctor. Doctor, I have measles. I have a shot for that. Good. Which one? Oh, I have 10 shots, and I'm giving all of them to you. And if he gives you all 10 shots, what's going to happen to your body? So there was a good answer for which was the measles vaccine and which was for something else, you know? And, and so just one. So actually, exclusivity is not hateful or needlessly narrow. It, 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 exclusivity means there's reality and something will work. <laughs> it also implies that other things don't work at the same time. That's so true. And I think one of the corollary questions on this is, you know, whenever we look at our friends, our neighbors around us that are really sincere, especially in this age, postmodernism, relativism, we, we look at all these other people that are so sincere in their beliefs and they're a really good person. So what would you say to someone who says, how could a loving God send this good person that doesn't believe in Jesus to hell? It's an are, easy one. These are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a challenging question. So, first off, are people really sincere in some places with other systems of life? Yes, mm. extremely, sure. extremely sincere. If you've never been around uh, maybe the Muslim world and observed not everyone in the culture, but some of them in that culture, and see the level of sincerity, the level of follow-through that they've got. And I know Christians who go see a Muslim culture and come back, and they're like, well, the Muslims are more, they're probably closer to God than us because they pray five times a day and don't forget, you know, and I pray once a week and, you know, you know and I'm thinking, no, no, it's not how many times you pray. So, so sincerity is important, but you can be sincerely wrong about something. That's true. You know, have you ever shown up for, for Black Friday at one in the morning, uh, only you did it on Wednesday? And well, probably you haven't, but it sounds like something I would do though. Uh, <laughs> I was the wrong day, you know, you come for a flight and, uh, 
your tickets for tomorrow. You, know? you can be sincerely wrong about something. You really can. That's true. And so what about the question of like a good person? You know, and I think we're commonly responding to this question of how do we get to heaven or, you know, what does it look like for Jesus to be the only way? And we compare ourselves, it's so common, right, to the murderers or those that have stolen or lied. We say, well, I'm really, I'm not a murderer. Better than him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I'm basically good, right? Yeah, I'm better than murderers and thieves and my neighbor <laughs> and all those bad people that I know. So <laughs> my neighbor's here. I'm definitely better than him. Not at lawn mowing because <laughs> no. uh, he's texting uh, in church, but I would never do that. Okay. <laughs> hey, Siri, tell Donovan to stop texting in church. Nathan, though, as we talked, the, the real issue comes down to this. <laughs> Call him later. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> the real issue uh, coming here is that we're dealing with worldview. And if we think that the, the American way to be a Christian is the way to God, we do have another thing coming. Mm. If we think that one particular local church is the, the, you know, the portal, the stargate to heaven, mm. or that one denomination, and I've been in a denomination a long time and I love it, but my denomination, all, in spite of all that it does, it cannot get me to heaven, it will not, and it, I cannot rely on it getting me there. Right. You know, it has to be Jesus mm-hmm. that, would, that, would, that would come in and get me there. And what we're dealing with actually is another worldview. And so we're not saying who gets the, who, do we get the Indian worldview or the American worldview uh, or the European worldview or the Texan worldview? Well, the Texan one's pretty good, but no, but we're, we're, we have to say, we have to say, is it possible that God is trying to share his worldview yeah. with us? Because a worldview is a whole way of seeing reality. Yeah. It's like putting on glasses at TJ Maxx, you know, and you see the, the, the two for five sale or whatever, and you're, you're trying all these colors. You, know, you get the red ones, and the world is red. Then you put on the blue ones, and the world is blue. Sure. You know, and then you put on the prescription ones, and the world is fuzzy. You know? and, mm-hmm. and these are all worldviews, and we see life as red or blue or whatever. And, and God is kind of tapping us, and he's saying, mm-hmm. I want to touch your eyesight. Mm-hmm. I want to give you new eyes. I want to give you ability to see a worldview that is more accurate than any of the ones you can pick from on the rack. Yeah. And that's really what's going on. Mm-hmm with the question of how do you get to heaven or is there only one way through Jesus? God is saying there's really one way. And so this worldview and this thing we've talked about is so, so interesting. So many people in America, I think it's the basic American viewpoint. I think it's the basic Christians in America worldview. Most Christians trying to follow God probably think this. And, and those outside of real living faith, they point at us and say that we, this is what you think. And that is, this is the worldview. People are basically good. You got to remember that, right? People are basically good, pretty good, pretty basically good people, you know. Everyone's basically good, again, except for Hitler and Stalin and, <laughs> and my roommate in college. But everyone else, basically good. And, um, and, and but you, we need a little religious or spiritual help to help us make some wise decisions. So we, need, we just need a little touch-up, we need a little shaping. We need a little polishing and buffing and aiming and, and just to make some wise decisions. And this is the thing we believe, Nathan. Yeah. If we make enough smart decisions or wise decisions, yeah. we may be, have an impact. Mm-hmm. We may actually become significant uh, before we die. <laughs> we may actually become really valuable to society or to ourselves or our family or someone if we make enough right decisions. So think it through it again. We're basically good. We need a little bit of help mm-hmm. to help us make right decisions. And if we make enough right decisions, we actually achieve something or, or become somebody. Wow. And but, yet, that's not the worldview of the Bible. Yeah, I think as a shock, if you really read the Word of God, we discover yeah. that is not at all. Every single point is different, right. I believe, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. God comes to us and he does not say, you are basically good. He says to you and me, you are basically evil. Mm-hmm. 
If you need proof of that, I encourage you to go visit the two-year-old room in any service or to volunteer for one week. Hey, you we'll stole that you. guy's line up from I, the foyer last true. time. So, yeah, some guy. No, but, but that's the, really the thing. The, the, the deal is that <laughs> uh, the deal is we are basically evil. Now, mm-hmm. our culture jumps up before we can finish the sentence and says, mm-hmm. I thought you were so. You're haters. You hate everybody. You're, no, 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 no. You have to hear the rest of the worldview. We are not basically We're basically evil, but we are valuable already before we ever do a thing. Incredibly valuable to God. So it's not that we're good but need a little shaping. We are evil but valuable to God. And then the third step is amazing because instead of having to work to become significant, God says you're significant before you do a thing. You're valuable and significant before you do a thing. Whether or not you believe in me, you're significant. You matter to me and I care about you. That's the worldview in the Bible. And that's why we need a whole new set of glasses. That's so good. I think it ties right into our text this morning if you have your Bible. We're going to be in Luke 18. want to look at a few verses. I think this is the perfect scripture because it really is asking the same question. Well, what do I have to do to be saved? And is Jesus the way? Um, As often Jesus does, he's going to answer the deeper question behind the question. And that's what we're hoping to do this morning. So would you read with us as we look at this? Lord, just illuminate our heart our eyes to see what you're wanting to teach us in this text. So Luke 18, verse 18, and a ruler asked him, so this is a rich young ruler, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And he went away. He went away sad. Mm. He went away sad. It's it's, perplexing to me a bit. Just help us unpack it because, I mean, for one, Jesus is saying, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God, but he is God. And, and so there must he be is good. Yeah, exactly. So there must be some, something more going on. Help us understand it. There's something going on, and I think that's the point of it as I try to study it and think about it. This second part of the verse, um, if you go back there, here Jesus is saying, One thing you lack. Uh, so, so he's like, One more thing. And he says, To sell everything, give it all away, and come follow me. And this guy, like, I would do anything, but I can't do that. The, you know, I would do anything for God, but not that. And what does that really mean? That means really something else is God for this guy. Okay, but let's go back to the first part of it. Where How did, this, how did that punchline arrive? Okay, it arrived this way. This, this guy comes up to him, I believe very sincerely, he comes up to him and he says, good teacher. And it's, it's fun reading it, you know, see different versions or whatever, but the, it's just good guy, you know, good teacher. So is he kind of saying, hey, you're just a good rabbi, a moral philosopher? He doesn't, he's not viewing him as Messiah. He's coming, to, he's coming to Jesus and not coming to God. Mm. When he came to Jesus, he was sincere, but he did not think he was coming to God. I don't, yeah. yeah. He, he, because he calls him a good teacher. Right. And Jesus looks at him, and so he doesn't answer, it looks like, the immediate question. But he's really answering the deep question. Because what is the guy's question? What must I do? What must I do? To inherit eternal life. Mm-hmm. How do I get eternal life? Mm-hmm. Good teacher. And Jesus looks at him, and he's thinking... That question makes sense from your worldview, where everyone tries to be good and outdo each other. Mm. You try, your society tries to be better than the next society, and you try to be better than your neighbor in your society. Mm-hmm. But that question doesn't make sense 
in a world where it takes a God to personally save you, that you are not a good person, you're an evil person who's valuable to God and you need salvation. Sure. And so Jesus basically looks at him, why do you call me good? <laughs> and he was good. <laughs> sure. Why, why is he doing that? He's, he's looking at him and saying, you, he knows, you don't see that I'm God. Yeah. And if you are going to get the answer to your question, how do you get eternal life? You have to have a change in perception. You have to realize, I am God. And so no one is good except God alone. And it kind of answers our question. This is part of the reason to say that in the biblical glasses, the worldview, the way of seeing all reality, we're not good. We're valuable. We're not good. Jesus says, who is good but God alone? Only God is good. Only God is good. And so basically he's saying, do you think I'm God? And he knows the guy doesn't. And he, but he's challenging him to actually, he's putting that question in his brain. Do you think I'm God? Bing. I was looking at him like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. And so, and, and then he says, you know the commandments. And so, you know, and he lists all these things. Now, if we all were to raise our hands, like, we're pretty good people. Yeah, pretty good. Try to do that. And, and, and then we, we, we lower them as we hit something that's like, well, you know, I can't say that I've, you know. Our hands will start going down. You know, here's the list. Don't commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Your hands starting to fall around the room, right? Do not bear false witness. Never tell a lie. They're going to die. Honor your father and mother. Never say something bad. <laughs> Never say something bad to mom. Down go the hands, right? And, and, and Jesus listed all these commands that were our important behavior, okay? And, he, and, and the guy looks back and says, I did all of this since I was a kid. Can you imagine how hard this guy had tried to get to heaven? But he still wasn't sure he was going. And that really is at the heart of honest human condition. We mentioned Islam. The prophet, Muhammad, as they call him, at his last sermon of his life, preaching to his faithful at Mecca where they have their big, their big gathering every year, he preached and said, I do not know if I will be accepted by God into paradise. See, people, honestly, we hope, but we don't know. And we base our knowing on, well, I know I'm better than the ten people around me, so I must be good. God says nobody's good but God alone. It's unbelievable. That's so good. So it's, it's enlightening to me that a question that really started as almost antagonistic toward exclusivity and intolerance and bigotry, if we're really honest not just in comparison to the other worldviews, but even in, in response to our own heart and having an assurance of our salvation that this question gives us exactly what we're looking for. I mean, Jesus tried to offer that to this ruler, but he couldn't walk away from his things. Well, and what was he not walking away from? Because Jesus looked at all, and we go back to the end of the verse where we started. Mm -hmm. We go back, the guy says, I've covered all the bases I can think of. And mm -hmm. Jesus looks at, his, looks at his life, and from, the, from his father, he, he knows he knows what this guy's God is. And guess what the God was of this rich young man, in my estimation? His God was to be well off and comfortable until he died. And then, depending on your beliefs, go to heaven if you believe in that or whatever else. He was hoping to go to heaven. He really had a God of being comfortable and well off, making a buck. And, uh, and that was what he ultimately was living for. And Jesus looked at him and said, you know, if you're doing all these things, you're still not getting in. It's not enough because we're not good. We, we can never do enough. <laughs> it's like the people at the Tower of Babel way back in Genesis. Human society, when there's just one language, they build this tower and they said it's a tower that's going to reach the heavens. Well, can you stack mud blocks high enough to reach heaven? Can you do that? You can't do that. You know, no, no, and we can all try building our own kind of tower. And we can say my tower is higher than your tower, you know, and it's still not high enough to reach to heaven. If we're ever going to get to heaven, heaven has to reach down to us. And, and we have to let God take hold of our hand. We have to grab it back, you know, and, and let him lift us. It's going to take his effort, not our effort, to get to heaven. 
Our effort just comes because we appreciate him and love him. It's not to get there. Yeah. And so this guy, Jesus says, I'm going to tap my finger on your God. Sell everything. Mm. And we're thinking, well, sell your possessions. That would be the holiest thing you could do, you know. And no, it's different people have different things that would be their God. But it's the thing that I don't want. The thing that I won't go. I won't go there. I won't give that up. Not that. And he taps this guy's God and says, to get what you want, you have to move this God off of that throne so that I can come sit on it. That's the way to get what you, that, that's the way to know that you're going to heaven. That's so good. I, I want to jump to really what I have wrestled with most on this question. And that is the question of, if we believe Jesus is the only way, what does this mean for unreached people? Uh, as we stand today, 40% of the world, if you look at people, groups, or population, do not have a near neighbor witness. Yes. Yeah. What, what on earth is a near neighbor witness? Mm-hmm. Tell us. <laughs> I learned I think it from you. it means you. a neighbor that's close enough to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, that actually <laughs> understands. Yeah, I can give you. Mm-hmm. You know, th- that 40% of the people in the world today and 40% of the languages in the world today, according to Joshua Project, if you're the kind that looks things up, uh, 40%. Right while we're sitting in here this morning, have no one they could go to. There is no one who could communicate in their language the truth about Jesus or the gospel, even if they knew about Jesus and wanted to know it. And then a whole another vast swath of, of humanity has some witness, but not enough, and people don't know that it's there many times. And then when you get back to the little part, the, the, the last third is the little third, the little part is less than a third, uh, and, and, and that's the part with a lot of religion and a lot of a lot of Bible bookstores and a lot of, you know, but still people are ignorant because they don't go access. <laughs> and so this world has this lostness. People are not right with God around this world. And that thing of what about people, though, that never had the chance? They didn't pass the church. They didn't pass the Bible bookstore. They don't even have a Bible in their language. Right. You know, on the way to church for most of us in Springfield, we'll pass other churches. Yeah. But, you know, when I'm in India and I'm going to a church, I'll pass millions of people. With, with no Protestant church of any denomination, in the North especially. What does that do in there? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it breaks my heart. Yeah, I mean, this is, is so real. I think about what if it were my kids yes. born in Northern Africa. So you could look at that face Iran. that looks, in this yeah. case, dark dark and different, yeah. but be seeing the face of your, sure. your kids. Mm-hmm. It's because of a moment like that that I became a full-time time to serve the Lord in ministry in Elora, Nigeria as a teenager, looking down at a, mm-hmm. a bus was stopped and looking down and seeing an old man struggling up a rocky gully where yeah. water would flow if it rained. He was having a hard time getting up with his stick, getting up the gully. And it was from coming out of the Muslim quarter of Elora. And, and I had never been to Elora. And, and there was this huge Muslim area. And as he looked up at me, our eyes met through the glass. Mm. And I realized here's a human being made in the image of God mm. who has never heard the gospel yeah. and who will never hear the gospel. And then the bus pulled up, started going again, and, and um, Jesus cares. Yes. But we still struggle, right? Like, why on earth, mm-hmm. how could someone be lost from God forever if they did not have a message mm-hmm. come to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of Romans 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a fun verse we quote. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes on to say, well, how would they call on whom they have not heard? How will they hear unless it is preached? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Mm-hmm. And then he quotes from Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. So it seems like this difficult question is connected in part to our responsibility, 
but I'd love for you to also address this false view that somehow, you know, there's like some good people and some bad people mm -hmm. and that we actually feel like we deserve heaven or we deserve goodness. You ever look out of the window when you're flying and look down? Um, you can sometimes see cities and things down there. Now, airplanes fly at a much lower altitude than heaven, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but <laughs> none of those buildings comes close to your airplane. Um, I think that the, the reality of it is, is that the biblical view, the biblical worldview, biblical glasses, what God sees when he looks at us in our world that we're in right now, Humanity is in far worse shape and in much more trouble than we want to believe. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is far better news than we have realized. Even if you're born again and know it for sure, That's right. the gospel is better news than you've probably realized. Because of the extreme lostness of humanity. Now, why are we lost? We have rebelled. The problem was not that God got upset and decided to kick some people off of the island. The problem was that we have all put another God in his chair. We all rebelled against a good God who had done nothing wrong, nothing for, he, for us to try to reason we should have a revolt, no reason we should get rid of him. But as humanity, we, we, we unanimously have voted to go that way. I want to do something other than God says. Believe something other than what he said. Even as those people building that first tower, God said, go and replenish the earth. It's not good that the earth be empty after the flood. And they said, come, let's build a city so we can stay in one place and not be scattered. <laughs> From our, our, various, our earliest inclinations are to do the opposite <laughs> and not believe in God. And then, and then when God comes to try to hide, that's what Adam and Eve did. Sure. They said, oh, I can't be seen by God. I've got to hide. Mm -hmm. and, and God's looking at this. And so, uh, you know, maybe pictures is the best way to describe it. Imagine you're at the, the Grand Canyon, and you're not down. You're up on the top, and there's a big river. I know the river's on the bottom, but this one's on the top, you know. We can do that, right? Absolutely. Right. Okay. So the river's on the top, and it's flowing along. Mm -hmm. And now, now, this again, this is the worldview we're living in, and it's kind of non-Christian or Christian. I think a lot of people think this. Again, think, well, this is humanity flowing along in a river, okay? And one part of this river is heading off into the safe area, like into farmland, where it can be useful and productive and create value and water the earth and whatever else. But another part of this river kind of breaks off, and it goes straight toward the edge of the Grand Canyon, and, and, it, and it doesn't turn around, and the water keeps flowing. And so when it comes to the end, it just shoots off the edge and falls down and disappears into oblivion in the bottom of the canyon forever. And we think that that's the biblical worldview. And God, why would you put someone on that part of the river and send them over? Why would you do that? But the biblical worldview, I believe, is not that picture. I think God would come to us and say, oh, Nathan, let me show you the reality of this. As this river comes, there are not two rivers. There's one river. And the entire river is in rebellion. The people of the entire, the entire river are antagonistic toward God. This does not mean they don't do some good things. This does not mean they don't help society. This does not mean that some of them are nicer to their neighbors than others. But they're all in the course of the river going toward the precipice. All humanity is going over the edge. And then God says, because I love you and value you, I have done the most expensive thing I could possibly do and exhaust heaven's greatest treasure and give my own son to actually die in your place to create a channel to dig a, dig a canal out of here and, and call you, come on this side. Come on this way that leads to life. Come back to me. I'll give you a forgiveness and a new start to follow me. And, he, and so he's done everything he can do. And then we blame him for sending people to hell. He's saying, no, I've done everything I can do at the cost of my own son's life to, to create a channel because this whole river is going over the edge.
Yeah, that's such a great way to look at it. I mean, that God's after our freedom to worship him and not our begrudging submission. Well, that's yeah. the thing, that freedom to worship that I mm-hmm. choose to worship, mm-hmm. that's one of the that's one of the rarest attributes in the entire universe of mm-hmm. anything that God made. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that display his glory, the galaxies and the planets and the... Texas. Especially Texas. Yeah. I was going to get there. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all those Bucky's shirts. I yeah. thought it was angels. I thought there were angels here. They're yeah. all wearing the shirt, you know, from heaven. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so, but, the, the, yeah. but the, you know, the, this incredible uh, uh, sense that people are... Uh, are trying to find their way and build their own way up to God, but they don't mm-hmm. arrive there. Mm-hmm. I, I want to just take some of these thoughts, hopefully it's helpful and provocative to think about this from, you know, the other side, but I want to just ask the question of, so what? You know, how do I share this with my neighbor? Um, maybe it's someone from a faith or non-faith background that sincerely believe they're good people, um, and how do, we, how do we tie this, make it home to where it affects our Monday and Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah, and that's so crucial, because um, you said I was, you told him I was a teacher or a professor, and so now I've had to spend all this time trying to win people over, because it's like, oh, true stuff, <laughs> you know, and everything. Uh, we have this thing, and again, in America, that we, we think that if we sit around believing true stuff, that, that we'll be our, you know, uh, just go and believe things, and then vote on whether that message was as true as the last one, and, and it's all just about knowing true stuff, and that's not the case. That's now right. you need to know, and our brains are supposed to get in gear, and they can learn, and everyone's going to learn. And, sure. and it, there's not a there's no per- percentage in being ignorant, mm-hmm. but but it's it's obeying it's it's obeying the truth that's right. the matter. Knowing right. it, you know, you can know truth and arrive right at the gate of heaven and be banging on it, and God won't let you in just because yeah. you know it. Uh, you have to be following that. And so, how do you apply it? It's more than just knowing. Right. If this is true, mm-hmm. and first off, look in your Bible and pray and. Mark things in your Bible where you see this and let the Lord teach you see, to show you if it's true. But if it's true, if this worldview is the worldview that God is trying to share with us, that it's the actual truth, <laughs> then it means it'll change how we act in our, just right where we live. So how you act in your house, you don't have to say, oh man, I'm not good enough. I just hate myself that I haven't achieved all of this and I didn't do it all done I wanted to do and I'm, no, I'm not no good. God said you're so valuable that he sent his son to die for you. He didn't say you were good, but he said you were so valuable. <laughs> and he's saying, I'm making you good. If you just follow me, if you just walk with me, it's like walking with your toddler. And you're like, take my hand. And, and you walk, and toddler wants to go everywhere, right? <laughs> you're like, no, we're going over here. Just don't pull your hand out of my hand. Just come with, as long as you come with me, I'll get you where you need to go. God will do that for you in your house. He'll do that for you in your car. So you're, when you look at the, the mirror, you don't hate yourself. You say, who, who hates themselves? I'm speaking to a lot of people. Sure. They say, I see what I've done. Mm-hmm. God says, I will forgive all of that. I'll wipe all of that away. But hold my hand. Mm-hmm. Come with me like a toddler. Mm-hmm. But then what does that mean for your, your spouse if you're married? Mm. Better treat him with some grace and some kindness. <laughs> sure. Uh, what does that mean for your kids? You better start training them to see a reality that the world is never going to teach them. If you have children, you might want to start talking to them about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Well, what about your neighbor? Yeah. Why not go over to your neighbor's house? Um, don't get shot or anything, but, you know, knock on the door. <laughs> warn them you're coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> America feels a little like a... <laughs> uh, the thing I use the most, the appliance I use the most in my old house was the garage door opener, you know, so mm-hmm. it's like you never even saw people. But, but uh, <laughs> try going to the door, and instead of saying, just a second, 
I have four points to tell you, and then I want you to pray. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's not go there. <laughs> let's not go there. Let's God says. Okay. Why don't you go and say, I just wondered if I could sit down and get to know you better and ask them about their worldview. You might not want to use that term if, unless they're a thinking type, but how do you see reality? What do you see? What, what, do you, what is your worldview? Yeah. You look a little further at your work or your neighborhood, mm-hmm. and there may be a family from India. Mm-hmm. Well, they're scary. We don't know. What would happen if we went over there? Find out. Mm-hmm. Well, I need a missionary to come find it. You are the, you are the daughter or the son that is mobilized to do these things. Mm-hmm. Go knock on the door. And usually you'll find they're far more hospitable than anybody you've ever met in your life mm-hmm. from several of these cultures. And they'll want you to drink tea. That's yeah. a war- fair warning. You're going to drink tea in most of the <laughs> a lot of the world's cultures. Okay. Sit down and drink the tea and ask them about their worldview. Ask them about their, their family. Ask them about their religion. Mm. How does them sharing their worldview help you to share God's worldview? Any ideas? Perhaps they're going to ask you about yours. And, it, I mean, it's showing them that you actually care. Building yeah, you a actually care. You're treating mm-hmm. somebody as if they're valuable, even mm-hmm. when they're not like you. Mm-hmm. And it's good for you to keep thinking about, actually, lots of times we, we come to realize what we appreciate about the Christian faith only when we start dialoguing with someone who's not in the Christian faith. Yeah. <laughs> and when we hear how they're living and what they're depending on, and we're like, I really appreciate this thing. I thought it was just a little doctrine or a point in pastor's message, but I am so glad. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't have to live like that, you know. So, so, so it helps you. But then they, they will ask you. They very likely ask you, what do you think? And even if they don't, you can say, when the right moment comes, you can say, well, when that happened to me, I prayed to Jesus. Yeah. When my child was sick and I didn't know if there would be any help, I didn't have to choose whether to go to a spirit, you know, a spirit person or, or, or even to a pastor. But I went in first and prayed to Jesus. Yeah. And then this happened and my child got better. You know, you talk like that. Mm-hmm. And before long, you make friends. And you don't make friends just to get them saved. It's like right. they, you be the friend no matter how they respond to you. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you start making Indian friends like that, you're going to find someone that wants to follow Jesus one of these days. That's going to happen. That's right. Or Africans or the other people, you know. Yeah. And, and, and look for the <laughs> – in Springfield, there's a, there's a whole group of invisible foreign people because they're white-skinned. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole group of Russians, a whole group of Romanians, a whole group of Hungarians, mm-hmm. and a few others – and some of them have a bunch of churches, and others are totally without Jesus. And if you befriended them, sure. if you went to their house, if you let, let them talk, you know, you, you could send a missionary to Russia. And, and then when they come back, you could tell them the story of how you were a missionary to the Russian on your block. That's, yeah. what, you, that's what you could do with it. That's so true. Not to mention, you know, there are hundreds, actually more than 1,000 international students in our city as well. From China, Saudi, India. They're just students. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I do want to transition to a time of response this morning. Um, I'm going to invite the band to come up. I know that we don't have time to address all the corollary questions in this series, asking for a friend, but I hope that you have felt empowered to ask questions and just know that God's not afraid of your questions. He wants us to be engaged in thinking and wrestling on the emotional and practical and theological and philosophical sides of these issues and uh, it's far more important to me than us just having a good answer and a response that we actually have a, a heart that is turned even more toward God, right? Our mission to know Jesus better. And so I just want to invite you to close your eyes. Thank you for watching our services. If you have questions or you would like more information, you can visit us online at nlspringfield.com. We'd also love to have you join us at one of our Sunday morning services. We have programs at 930 and 11 for adults, students, and kids. We hope to see you there.